Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Women are not even a minority. Why do we act like, oh, well, you know, we're getting diversity? No, we're getting parity. Most people on earth are women. Diversity is not, it's not a check mark. It's like a sanity check. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast here in Austin, Texas, celebrating incredible women in tech around the world. And I have Michelle sitting with me at the fabulous Impact Hub. Hello, Hello Michelle. Hey, everybody. And so, Michelle, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Michelle Greer, and I'm the head of marketing at a company called Bonsai. Uh, Bonsai.io uh, is the simplest way to launch Elasticsearch. And so if you have a web application and you need a search engine for it, you can either uh, hire a team of ex-Googlers or you can use our service. So, I mean, I think I'd want to hire a team of ex-Googlers. That sounds really cheap. I bet. <laughs> Very easy, easy yeah. to find. Yeah. You know, like it's... Uh, searches, it's it's it used to be a lot more complex than it was to just to just get started, and now you know like services like Bonsai. I used to actually work at Heroku, and so I like I look back. I'm I'm of the age where I can look back on what it it used to take yeah. to deploy a, a web application, yeah. and now it's like I I see all the the people who are launching tech. Uh, tech startups now, and and I feel proud that a lot of them are on Heroku, or they're using Bonsai, or they're using, you know, Iron.io, or a lot of these services that make it a lot easier to launch a web application. For those of of the listeners who don't know, can you walk us through what all those resources are? Because I just don't want to make assumptions that everybody knows what Heroku is. Yeah, for sure. So um, basically, um, you know, I, I try if if somebody's like brand spanking new to tech and they've never, you know deployed code, um, you know, I liken it to uh, building a house, right? It used to be that you would build a house and you had to install your own plumbing and you had to set up your own electricity and you had to, you know, set up all, like, everything that it would take, all yeah. the walls, all the windows and stuff. And so what all of these uh, web services allow you to do is instead of you setting all of that up on yourself, you're using these services that, you know, uh, manage your search engine right. or manage your servers and allow you to scale or, uh, you know, look at all the monitoring and, and everything that it takes because it's actually a pretty complex process. You know, even just staging a database is not easy for a yeah. lot of developers. And so, uh, you know, to get out of the weeds of, like, uh, deploying all this stuff, what I love about what I do is um, I'm now starting to see these founders who are 
they're not necessarily experts at deploying servers. They're experts in their domain expertise. So like when I was at Heroku and I would, I would write case studies, um, you know, we would have uh, uh, two founders. One would be, you know, the, the technical one actually, you know, writing all the code. And then the other person would actually be the one selling the app. Right. You know, so we had one, one said it was, a, it was a bar manager and he was like, I just want to be able to, you know, uh, keep track of all my bottles and stuff. And so he had somebody build an app for him. Right. And when you have services that manage all of the infrastructure, it's in, it's much more possible than it used to be. So I think that's exciting. I think it's also helping get a lot more people into web development who weren't previously in yeah. web development because you don't have to know how to set up a server um, just to get some Ruby code up and running, which used to be really, really difficult. One of the reasons why I chose Bonsai is, uh, you know, you work at a lot of tech companies and it's strange to see women and at Bonsai, there's actually, uh, you know, quite a few women uh, who aren't just, you know, office managers. No, no beef with office managers. <laughs> you know, I've met some great ones and very smart ones in my day. But, you know, we have women uh, developing very integral parts of our software. And so um, I find that very relaxing and encouraging because, I, A, it's just more comfortable for me, obviously. But, B, I just think it's going to be easy, easier for us to hire good people in the future, uh, both men and women. So, yeah, it's it's just a very uh, helpful, supportive work environment that I'm uh, happy to be a part of. When did you first fall in love with technology? <laughs> it was kind of practical, honestly. I was kind of on the the um, typical Texas, and not to disparage uh, mothers at home, but I was, you know, living with my ex-boyfriend, and, you know, he made all the money, and I was kind of the woman at home. And I just was like, I'm too smart to be doing somebody's laundry and, you know, cleaning the shavings from his, when he, you know, shaves his face. And I wanted a job. I wanted, you know, to use my brain. And so I got a job at a tech company and I was making 18 bucks an hour, which, you know, it, it was tough back then. So I, I actually started going to a lot of tech meetups and learning a lot about code. And I, I was fascinated about, you know, well, why would I use Python versus JavaScript versus, you know, when would somebody use Cassandra versus Postgres or whatever? I don't know why I found it interesting, but I was just like, this seems like something I would want to know. And then at that time, Twitter was just taking off. And so um, I would get really bummed because I'm... I'm fascinated by what technology allows us to do versus, like, the nuts and bolts of it. And so I was fascinated by Twitter. I was like, wow, I can reach out to all these people I've never met before. And so I gave an idea to a friend. I wanted to do a blood drive using Twitter. And my friend thought it was a really good idea. And so we kind of organized a bunch of other people here in town and did a blood drive tweet up. And we doubled the traffic of the blood bank in three days with a budget of zero dollars. And the people at the blood bank were like, well, that's just a miracle because they spent a lot of money to get that. And so, yeah, I really just was interested, not necessarily in like, you know, like, let me open up a text editor and figure out what's going on here. I wanted to show people like, hey, this can transform people's lives if you use it in in a good way. And and when were you first exposed to technology? Hmm. Well, I always said that my dad was the first geek in my life. Yeah. Uh, my dad 
was a systems analyst at Exxon. And so he, we always had the latest and greatest computer. And so I, like, I mean, internet with like the dial up, you know, like, so yeah, I I mean, playing on my computer at home, I feel, I always say that I feel blessed. And so when somebody's like, well, why don't they just get skills to like, you know, get a better career? I'm like, well, because a lot of people don't even have computers at home now. So I, I was truly blessed in that my dad, A, had a really cool computer, and B, let me use it. And then how did you go from there to entering into the, wor- uh, the world as a tech professional? Uh, well, I, I studied American studies in school. It's not a very technical. Because you had your relationship, too. Like, so where did you become exposed to? Um, well, after I left that relationship, uh, <laughs> I had no money, and so I... You know, I just learning you. I would read online, and so yeah. I um, I I lived in a really crappy apartment, and I would just teach myself stuff. So I like, I'm like, oh, I want to have a blog, and so you know, learn WordPress, and yeah. that's when you had to like deploy it via FTP, and like I just you figured it out. I mean, there's plenty of resources online to, you know, but it it took a lot of time. It was a lot of late nights, you know, up till eleven trying to figure out like. You know, okay, I need to get the pictures over here, and then I'm going to edit them over here. And, yeah, I mean, you just noodle around. Would you say you had extreme confidence or extreme curiosity? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, I'd probably curiosity. Um, And then I'm very – I'm not adverse to asking people questions if I don't understand something. And I realize that – that in some ways is confidence because a lot of people are just – they'll just give up. And so for me, I just like – I would make a lot of friends and I'd be like, OK, I'll ask this person like three questions and then I'll do them a favor, right? Like and eventually you just kind of accumulate knowledge over time. And um, what would you say is a huge obstacle that you successfully overcome? How did you overcome it and what did you learn from it? Hmm. I didn't realize there was, there was a lot of sexism. And I, I mean, I just kind of, my parents raised me to just work really hard and I didn't really plan that coming in. And then, um, yeah, you just realize what an oddity, I didn't realize what an oddity I was, you know, going into a cloud computing conference and there'd be like five women out of like 200 people. Like I was just like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to like work hard. And so how did I overcome it? I think age has something to do with it like you're kind of less of the you know little girl like that guys are I think also you recognizing it being cognizant of it um and having kind of a, a stock responses to like how to deal with like uncomfortable situations um I think also what helped is uh finding networks of because there's there's crappy guys out there but I would say that most guys are really awesome and are and if they're not supportive, they're at least not malicious. Right. And so finding people who are your advocates and, you know, aren't going to at least aren't going to get in your way is key. And then, you know, it's hard because you, you don't want to be ruffle a lot of feathers by calling some people out. But a lot of times, you know, those guys kind of disappear anyway, because if they're threatened, they're, if they're threatened by you because you're a woman or if they're jerks, they're probably not the most um, 
competent people anyway. I was saying to someone else that um, rather than like judging someone else, even just having our own confidence in self saying they're not a right match for me yeah. like, rather than of I am a right match for them. It's more the power coming from within myself. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's also helping. I'm really uh, uh, right now at, at Bonsai. I work with some really smart women, um, like super smart. And I, I love that. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, when I first started in this industry, I didn't see women who were programming. And now I'm seeing a lot more. Yeah. Like really smart women. And I think that's encouraging to me. And I just want to keep fueling it because it's like I always say this. I'm like women are not even a minority. Why do we act like, oh, well, you know, we're getting diversity. No, we're getting parity. Most women, you know, most people on earth are women. Yeah. And so this should be a desirable goal. You know, diversity is not it's not a check mark. It's like, well, no, this is just us keeping our it's like a sanity check, you know, because there's a ultimately we all have biases which reflect, you know, upon our work. So if I went to a workplace and it was nothing but women and especially if the audience were a lot of guys, I'd be like, hey, this isn't cool either. Right. It's not about like you know, a checkbox, it's like, well, we just need to be able to check our own biases. Yeah. What would you say is your tech superpower? My tech superpower? Or your superpower as a professional? Ah, that's a good question. I'm very curious, and I think it's asking the right question of the problem. I think um, I think what helps me is that I'm also, I'm not a quant per se and I'm not just a writer being able and I encourage you if you're in marketing to have uh, kind of a cross discipline to be able to write to be able to position you know product marketing while also understanding a little SQL understanding Google Analytics can get you a long way in life and so being able to check yourself that way um, is something I, I haven't seen a whole lot of but in my career as I got I started off being a writer and then just going, I want to see if this stuff actually works. I felt like I could improve a lot faster by understanding both sides. And who does Bonsai serve? Bonsai serves um, anyone from agencies. A lot of agencies use it because they use Heroku for apps. Um, A lot of enterprises use it. Uh, Toyota, GitHub, um, you know, Bonobos is a customer, like... Um, and also startups. So it's basically anybody who is like, you know what, we want to focus on um, providing good search experiences and not so much on the nuts and bolts of hosting it. Do you have any kind of uh, like resource training that you've gone through other than being self-taught, like uh, different programs you've act- accessed or maybe books that you've read that you think have really been you know, pivotal in getting to where you are today? Um, I think in terms of the actual technology itself, I, you know, definitely just mostly poke around, read a lot of documentation. Um, I was really helped by pragmatic marketing's courses on product marketing. Um, I encourage anyone who's a product marketer or a product manager to take those classes. Where do you discover that? Um, there, There's a whole... Um, they have a website, so it's called Pragmatic Marketing. And we'll include it in the show notes. Carl can put it yeah. in the show notes for us. Yeah, they have entire t- they have tiers of certifications that you can get for that. Um, I also found, I mean, Google has a lot of really great resources for uh, Google Analytics certifications, and so I I just walk through all of those. Is this your first podcast interview? 
This is my first podcast interview, yes. I love asking that. Actually, wait. It's not. No. Sorry. No. Annihilate them. My, no. first, <laughs> my first podcast interview was with, uh, was with Omar Gayaga. What show? He is a digital savant. He's on the local NPR station. Can we Google it to find that interview? I, you, you might be able to find it. We'll try to put it in the show notes. Yeah, it was probably, probably like ten years ago. All right. So it's okay. You're like I like to ask that because so many women on the show, it's their first interview. So I like to show, and a lot of, a lot of women think that they're not good enough to be on the podcast. And not understanding that almost everybody on this podcast, it's their first podcast. And so I like to put it. It's another thing. See, if she can do it, so can I. It's like we're not any better than one another. We're all just. We just we have to support each other. Yeah. And it's it's funny how one little step you, know, you can bring someone up or you kick them down. Yeah. And one step can make a big difference either way. hundred percent. So. And where do you see yourself in a year or two years? Like, what's your dream? My dream to be on an island to be on an island uh, I mean if I could do anything um, I have a lot of uh, like really simple ideas that I think a lot of women get overlooked in their careers and and women use technology too and because we're not at the table we don't uh, we don't have a seat and so I come up with ideas like I want a search engine for clothes I can wash and dry just little I totally get that yeah it's like this is the I first step I do not want to dry clean no it's the first step and I, I will tell women that idea and they're like build that thing <laughs> and it, it's tricky because getting but just like little ideas like that um, starting to build some of that on my own would be cool I don't know if that'd be in the next year because I'm pretty happy yeah. at Bonsai but um, and then I would always I would love to encourage and somehow support more ideas like that and that's like a kind of a basic one but women have great ideas and sometimes they're either not confident or they don't have the connections to actually make them happen. Right. So being a part of that in any way would be uh, like I think I would pinch myself if that was something I could do every day. If you had one ask for everybody listening, we have so many people listening right now, something that they could do to support you in your success, what would that ask be? To support me in yeah. my success. You have to be selfish. Oh, my As goodness. As women, we always respond with something about others. And I'm like, no, it's about you. <laughs> uh, well, I guess right now, I mean, I'm going to get into the immediate. Um, I'd love to say that I worry about technology these days, but um, I don't. And, you know, I, I'm, I am a little worried about politics, and I won't get into any kind of particular views. But um, right now I'm working um, – it's, it's a work in progress, so please – uh, you know, be sparing in your feedback. But uh, a bunch of people here in Texas, Texas is actually last, it, we're like in the bottom five in terms of voter registration. And I feel like a lot of the times most Texans are not represented by our politicians, which is unfortunate um, for all of democracy. So um, it was actually a guy from Tufts, he created a website to help fix this. And so part of our issue here in Texas, and pardon me if this is long winded, but um, it's difficult to register to vote here in Texas. You actually have to apply, and then they receive your application. You get uh, you you have to sign it, and then you get a, a card. It's not like in California where you just register when you get your driver's license. So somebody created a website website, and it's called 
registertovote.org. And, and what it does is if you're not in an easy position to register to vote, um, you go to the website, you fill out the information. You, uh, What this site will do is it sends you an application, which you then sign and put in the envelope that is also included with the stamp and the address, and then you send that in, and then you're registered to vote. And if we could even increase voter registration here slightly in Texas just by a little bit, I would just be so happy because I want more Texans to be represented in our process. So um, if voter registration is something that concerns you, which if you're in Texas or you're an American, it should because it's part of integral part of democracy, uh, please visit registeredtovote.org. Currently, it's only supporting Texas, which... Hey, that's a lot of people. Um, If you're interested in maybe volunteering or supporting it with dollars because we want to throw money at it to uh, advertise it once it's all skinned and pretty, uh, you can email me at michelle at michellegreer.com, and I will get you in touch with the right folks. And anything that you can do to support that effort, I would be very, very grateful right now. Oh, yay. Where can people connect with you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Michelle Greer on Twitter. So can Michelle, you spell it? yeah, sure. It's Michelle with two L's, not one, and Greer with two E's. G R E E R. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you, Spree. I appreciate you uh, inviting me out. Yeah, of course. If you want to connect with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Or say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. My name is Michelle Greer. I'm based in Austin, Texas, and I'm the head of marketing at Bonsai.io, which is the easiest way to launch a search engine. And you're listening to the Women in Tech podcast. Impact Hub here in Austin, Texas has been our home. We want to give a huge thanks to making it possible for us to comfortably meet and interview several inspiring women in tech. They have the most collaborative workspace, incredible events, beautiful design, a hammock in their backyard. What? It's an incredible space. You have to check it out if you're in Austin. Thank you so much for being a part of the Women in Tech journey. Be sure to go to impacthubaustin.com to get your free day of co-working. I want to give a huge thanks to the team at SpyCloud. SpyCloud protects your employee and customer information from breaches and account takeovers. Try SpyCloud's early warning breach detection platform. SpyCloud made it possible for us to meet with several women in tech here in Austin, Texas, and I am so thankful that they have been part of the Women in Tech podcast journey. Get protected today by going to spycloud.com. That's S-P-Y-C-L-O-U-D.com. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.